today's episode of Vice Versa, we're talking about a lot of EV news, like Hyundai's new Ionic line of EVs, GM's delivery van platform, and flying cars, yes, flying cars, Neo, and more. And as usual, I'm joined by the voice of reason, Ricky Roy. How you doing, Ricky? Wow. Well, it wouldn't be CES without a flying car, so <laughs> exactly. they didn't disappoint. <laughs> exactly. Say. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot to talk about. Yeah. CES just happened even with all the craziness and a virtual event, I gotta say they pulled it off and it went all, all went pretty well. The, the first story of the day that I wanna talk about was a company that I've been eyeing for a while and that's Neo, which is one of China's big um, premier new flagship EV makers. And they just unveiled their ET7, which is their flagship luxury sedan. And people are saying that they're kind of the Tesla of China. They're, they're more of a premium product. And what I think is really fascinating about what they've done here is they've got some pretty bold claims. And clearly during the development of this car, they had the Tesla in their sights because pretty much everything about the car really is a comparison to the Teslas. For example, they're touting a thousand kilometer range, which comes from a 150 kilowatt hour battery pack. Basically take two Tesla Model 3 batteries and you get pretty much around there. Um, Tesla would actually have about 700 miles and 1,000 kilometers is about 600 miles. But really cool stuff. They have they've have a whole suite of safety features and autonomous self-driving stuff. And they have even announced pricing with the smallest battery pack variant coming in around 69,000 US. And uh, the biggest one kind of going up from there. But there's a couple of things they've done, I think, that are pretty interesting. For one, they have brought back the the concept of battery swapping, which Tesla first coyed with back I think in 2016 and you know they had that demo where they showed a car pulling up and having the battery swapped out and they're able to do the same sort of a thing and they've even unveiled kind of a gen 2 swap station where they can go through like 350 swaps a day so if you're looking to get a full charge especially in a battery pack car that's interesting uh, I want to get your take before I expand on that one but also they're claiming that they're going to have a much more high-resolution camera. And this is kind of throwing a little bit of shade at Tesla, who uh, <laughs> they claim is using a 1.2 megapixel camera. And as a result, they're claiming that their 8 megapixel camera can detect objects like people and obstacles up to three times further away, which clearly is a, is a big deal. And I think, Matt, I've mentioned before, I was shocked at how low-resolution my dash cam footage actually is. The camera's on our Teslas aren't the best. And um, they're also going with LiDAR. So, you know, this autonomous race to the finish is gonna get pretty interesting. Yeah. What do you uh, what do you take about Neo's day and what was the stuff that popped out to you? It's, it's definitely, it's, let me put it this way. I was very impressed, but I'm in that camp of, okay, it's another luxury EV. We don't need necessarily more luxury EVs. I'm more interested in seeing who's gonna hit that $25,000 EV first. Who's going to hit the $20,000 EV first? It's like, what are the options across the spectrum of costs? And what they've delivered is this really enticing luxury car. Um, there is a lot of shade they're throwing at Tesla. And I'm really, I also was surprised by how low resolution the car, the, the cameras are on the, the Model 3. But clearly they're, they're good enough for what it needs to get done. And it will be interesting to see if the Neo technology really does help give them a little bit of an edge or not. Um, the one thing about the, the solid state battery that they've got in their car, 
I find that to me, that's such a telling choice because I've said this all along, solid state is years away from being anywhere close to a mainstream thing. And They're so here in 2022, 23, but that's not it's mainstream not today because no. this is an expensive car and it's going to be very low volumes. It's going to be probably like what hundred thousand cars, maybe at most in a year. It's like, that's not huge volumes. So it's like, yes, they have solid state. Solid state is way more expensive than the other technologies. When you look at how many, like what the, what the energy density of the pack is that they're, they're going to be using. I can't remember what the number was. It was something like 360, like, was it watt hours that it is? Yeah, watt and hours it's like, per kilogram, yeah. Yeah, and Tesla's technology that they're currently doing and where they're going to end up in a couple of years is not going to be that far off from that. So Tesla's non-solid state is not going to be that far behind their solid state, and it's going to be cheaper than their solid state. So it's kind of, for me, it's like, are they chasing the technology because it's the buzzword or are they chasing that technology because it's the right technology at the right time? And it feels like sales day is still too early. And it's like that $69,000 price could possibly be lower if they use a different battery technology. And so it's like, I find it a very telling choice that they went with solid state because it seems like they're trying to go for the latest and greatest and the buzz and try to make it super luxury. And it's, there's an aspect to it that I don't like, but um, I'm very impressed with the quality of what they're rolling out. Agreed. Agreed. With, with solid state, I feel you can't have a car announcement in 2020 without having a mention of solid state batteries, whether or not you actually do it. And it kind of felt that way. They're not ready. They've even admitted it's going to be years out and they're going to be building this car, you know, without it, or there's going to be other variants of it. So I do think that's a bit of a marketing kind of a gimmick. Yeah. It kind of feels like you have to have a flying car at CES, same sort of thing. Um, <laughs> yes. But I will say there's a couple of things I think I want to, uh, I think we have a little bit of time. This this story really was interesting to me and hopefully, hopefully we have time to cover um, all of it, but maybe we should both do episodes on this on our, on our channels. But a couple of interesting choices. For one, they are going to have LiDAR, which Tesla has you know, repeatedly said they're not going to do. There was that picture on Twitter of a Tesla test mule with LiDAR on board. And then they they are also going to go with NVIDIA for the for the oh, silicon yeah. for their oh, system yeah. on a chip for their for their cars. Now, this is interesting because, you know, a lot has been made about um, vertical vertical integration and Tesla's approach. But one problem with the vertical integration is you become stuck with your technology. What I mean by that is the, the analogy that I will use here is Intel. Intel has their own fab factories. They build their own dyes. They are a manufacturer, not just a designer. Um, but the problem with that is they have huge capital expenditures, huge factories around North America and you know elsewhere. And they're still on a 14 nanometer process, which is what is killing them today. AMD comes along and says, hey, we've got this design. Who can build us a seven nanometer process? And TSMC in Taiwan goes, we can. And they go, sold. You guys do it for us. Apple, same thing with the M1. Apple doesn't make fabs. like They don't do any of the manufacturing of that. They design the chip and they have partners. um, I think those are also, I think it's TSMC. I'm not, don't quote me on that. But who have a five nanometer process. And when some other company comes along and says, hey, we can do a four nanometer process, Apple goes, we're moving to you. Whereas Intel is stuck with it. So here, NVIDIA, I mentioned this in, I think, episode one. NVIDIA is my company to look at for self-driving. Their computer vision team is probably the best on earth, better than Tesla's. They have 
I actually know two PhDs from Berkeley when I went to school there. I didn't get a PhD at Berkeley, but I knew some PhD candidates who both work in NVIDIA today in Mountain View. And they have some of the smartest people around for this. And companies who go with NVIDIA will get the leverage of all that comes along with, they have some of the most cutting edge GPU designs and stuff, if you've been following the RTX kind of series, and they're gonna have custom SOCs for self-driving cars. So Tesla's gone it alone, and the problem now is they're stuck with whatever they got, whereas people who go with other vendors and manufacturers can always jump and pick and choose whoever has the best stuff. So that is the only real drawback to vertical integration I can think of, and I wanted to bring that up because what NVIDIA is doing in the world of self-driving cars you got to go take a look at it. They've got some pretty amazing stuff and they're going to be at the heart of this thing, in my opinion. And I think, uh, what else did we have to talk about here? I'm going to disagree with you a little bit on that. This yeah? Is, yeah. Vice versa. This is... No, no. <laughs> I, th- I look at uh, NVIDIA as, you know how Intel has kind of lost the processor race? Apple comes out and just like drops the mic and now Intel looks like this outdated technology. Uh NVIDIA is doing this tactic of just throw more power at it. So it's like their technology is really impressive. But when you look at that Neo, for example, they're using, I can't remember what it is, three or four of those processor chips to get that massive like processing power they've got. How many watts is that? I think it's going to be something like 360 or 400 watts or something of power that's going to be needed to run their, their engine in the car. And part of what Tesla did was they optimized the hell out of it to get it something that's for the performance per watt. It's like exactly what Apple did with the M1. The performance per watt is astonishing on the Tesla technology. So it's like they're getting far more performance at far less power. So it's like the efficiency of that cannot be overstated and how that can grow over time, much like what Apple did with their M1. It's like there's a different trajectory that I think Tesla's going to go in for the sheer power of the technology. Fair, fair point, fair point. But I will mention Elon, you know, the, the page one rewrite for FSD yeah. was a function of the fact that they weren't able to get enough resolution to be able to like resolve objects with the way they were doing it. So they went from images with motion blur and, you know, low frame rate as a result of nighttime and other considerations to taking like a video clip, which helps the computers be able to figure out that's a bicycle, right? That mm-hmm. comes from, you know, like the low resolution of the cameras and the power, the compute power and stuff like that. So what we're, what we're really doing is we're seeing like a bet on hardware. Will a 1.2 megapixel camera be good enough for FSD? That yeah. question has not been answered yet and we will find out in time. Also, NVIDIA, if you're a gamer, I'm not really a gamer, but I follow the gamer news. I find like the math behind GPUs and I find that way more fascinating than actually playing games. But DLSS, which is NVIDIA's technology where they like, will take a, well, they'll take this high resolution output, downsample it, use AI, and so they'll they'll actually, you know, take a lower resolution thing. They'll use AI to like fill in details that are missing and then sample it up to 4K for the user to look at. I mean, the kind of math, they have some of the most brilliant mathematicians on earth over there. Um, that's always been my feedback. The, the smartest people I know who, you know, we're, we're getting PhDs in math are over at NVIDIA. That's kind of the thing. They They have a lot of like not directly in the world of cars yet, but it's just a matter of time, especially if they lose out on other business units, if self-driving cars becomes a big thing, I can see them investing a lot in it. But sure. your point's taken. There's there's probably some optimizations to be had as far as like their their stuff is pretty power hungry, whereas you know the ARM stuff that, that um, Apple and Tesla are using aren't. But we shall see. Let's let's mm-hmm. keep let's keep an eye on it and figure out how this plays out. Because I think in the next two years it'll be very telling. 
Is LiDAR needed or not? That question is going to get answered pretty soon. Well, next up, we're talking about uh, Hyundai, who uh, <laughs> they came out and they announced an all-new, all-electric sub-brand. It's called Ionic, and they announced the very first car in the lineup, the Ionic 5. And it's a uh, expected to be released, I think it's this year, which is kind of amazing that they're releasing it this year already. But the teaser images were the thing that caught me first. I just want to talk about the looks of this car first. It it There's an element to this in one of these stories. They had, where was it? It's over here. There was uh, some images from the concept car that they showed off earlier that it's going to look somewhat like this probably. And it's like, this is a very <laughs> cyber trucky kind of inspired look where it's angular like the cyber truck, but it's been kind of rounded off and softened in certain areas. So it doesn't feel so foreign. And But yet it's a very unique, stunning design that really is going to stand out in the market because there's nothing else I've seen that looks anything close to that. Um, it's just really, really cool. But it's really neat to see Hyundai, who had the success with the Kona, which you could argue is a compliance car because they really never did meet the demand around it. It's really interesting to see them rolling out a brand new sub-brand that's going to be all electric, where it looks like on the surface they might be turning that corner of trying to release a car in a line of cars over the next few years because they're going to be releasing a whole slew of cars under this brand that is not going to be a compliance car. It looks like they're trying to go mass market with this. They're saying 23 battery electric vehicles by 20. Yes. 25. Yes. That's crazy. That's like four years from now. And uh, so we, we've talked about this, Matt, in the past. We love companies that have investments in architecture. They've got this platform, I think it's called like the eGMP platform, upon which they're planning on building a lot of this stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, 800 volt architecture, which is the latest and greatest, the new goodness. I think that's where the industry is kind of headed. And this particular car you're talking about, uh, 310 miles of range and bi-directional charging, which again is kind of the, the buzzword of the day. You got to make sure you have that if you're building a new EV, but it's yeah. all, all lining up to be pretty promising. Um, for me, the biggest part of this story that I love, and to me, this kind of shows that I kind of, I've, I've told my wife before, I'm a huge, I love Japan. When we were going on vacation, Japan was my place. Everything about Japan I love. And my wife loves South Korea. She watches like the novellas from South Korea. And to me, South Korea feels like the new Japan. They're just they're all over it. They understand what they're doing. For example, uh, Hyundai broke out. They had this really nice car called the Genesis, and they realized we don't have like a Lexus or an Acura. Let's make Genesis, which will be our flagship car, because nobody is going to spend $80,000 on a Hyundai. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, VW figured out with the Phaeton. You're not going to do it. Change the brand, have a little more prestige behind it. So here now, I think it's kind of the same thing. They took the Ionic, which was... A pretty forget. I mean, to my mind, a pretty forgettable EV. Um, decent, uh, really good on range, if I remember correctly. I think, or is that the Nero? I think it was Ionic, but really pretty efficient. And they made an entire lineup out of it, which is probably the right way to go. If you're going to yes. keep making the Elantra, by the way, you mentioned about the angular design of the car. I'll have to go back and look, but I saw it on the road. It's either an Elantra or one of their cars has that door style with all the creases and folds in it. So it's part of their design language. It's not completely foreign, which again, kind of makes me think pretty close to production. Yeah. But they get it. They have an entire new car brand, which 
I think that's kind of cool. When if you're looking at a car and Ionic comes up and all they make is EVs, their showrooms are centered around it. That just way that just makes way more sense. And maybe they'll go the route of direct to sales because there are no Ionic dealers around the world, right? Yeah, I could definitely see them doing that, going the direct route, just sidestep the dealership model and just go direct with this brand new thing. Because it sheds that legacy that they don't need by going this direction. So it's a very smart move. I think it's a it's gonna be interesting to see how this plays out over the next couple of years. But I was really surprised that this first car is coming out first half of this year. So it's like we're gonna see this really, really soon. It's gonna be pretty exciting. Yeah, so they've they've got a lot more than than they've shown already. And yeah, can't wait to see it. This was cool. I think <laughs> Matt and I were talking about before the show. I thought that GM and Neo this last week really made the biggest waves. And and I got to really give credit to GM. If you've been watching this show, I, I, one of the, the big themes lately has been GM doing good stuff. And here is an, here's another example of it where at CES, it can't all be business and, you know, it can't all be nuts and bolts. There's got to be some fun involved. They introduced a, a VTOL, a vertical takeoff and lift aircraft little personal aircraft here on the on the left and a zooks kind of a autonomous taxi robo taxi kind of a, a concept as well so um the idea for the vtol i think it was a 90 kilowatt hour battery pack and it would have four kind of lift fans very similar to kind of if, if you have like a drone a quadcopter sort of a concept and imagine if you were some high fluting executive you could hop yeah. on your <laughs> your helipad on the top of your building and fly home. Um, very Tony Stark-esque. Yeah. Is this going to be a product that you can buy in the next couple of years? Absolutely not. No. There's, there is a slew of things that have to happen. But it, again, it, you know, I used to think it was cool to see prototype cars. And then when Tesla started showing off how we should make the stuff we claim we'll make, <laughs> I, I changed my tune. But again, this is kind of cool, but... At the same time, would they have been better served to build something more practical? And that's where the second part comes in. We, I think we mentioned it last week or two weeks ago. The Zooks, which was bought by Amazon, is a is a kind of a purpose-built robo-taxi car. There's no steering wheel and the, the seating isn't in, in alignment with driving. It's more about a conversational cab. Like Think like a train coach. Right. So Cadillac has built something like that. To my mind, it looks pretty good. It has kind of the, the Cadillac pentagon styling and um i'm, I'm optimistic i think you know the, the, the details are pretty scarce at this point but if they build something like this this might be oh and the big news is this is going to be the kind of the cornerstone of their super cruise tech which yes. is their full self-driving and they're investing in that heavily so i i think you could say the race is on for this idea of a future of robo taxis and to my mind a car like this probably would make more sense as a robo taxi so gm Good for you. Let's see what let's see what yeah. comes next. I don't know. Yeah, the, this it, I find this kind of stuff ridiculous at every CES. So it's like flying cars. Okay, whatever. But the, their discussion as part of this announcement, which was around the autonomy and their super cruise, is what really kind of impressed me the most. It was like, okay, they're they're doubling down on this, and they're they're already releasing in these new lines of cars. Like they're rolling it out across their entire lineup. So basically all cars will have Super Cruise at some point. So it's like they're doubling down on it. And then when they went to the pie in the sky thinking is when they said, and we'll use that same technology for these VTOLs and for these like people mover van right. things. And they were showing this crazy stuff. It's like, okay, during that part of the presentation, because I, I attended CES virtually and I was watching all this stuff when they were doing it 
live, I guess. Uh, <laughs> he, when he was ta- when the lead designer was talking about that VTOL, it's for one person. It's got one seat in it, and they're, they're, he was saying they're going to have a second version, which is a two-seater. And he kept saying, for very personal, private, intimate flights, <laughs> for very personal, intimate flights. And he kept using the word intimate, and I was like, please stop saying that because that's making you think of only one. Like you're going to be flying over the city, being intimate. It was like, will you please just stop saying that? So I just thought it was really funny that it was this ridiculous, ludicrous thing, and he kept using very odd word choices to describe what it was but aside from that this to me it's like with their ultium strategy the platform that they've been rolling out all the things they've been talking about it's like they have every right to have some pie in the sky thinking stuff that they're sharing because in my mind they're earning it and i was very harsh on them for the hummer cg stuff that they did that i thought yeah, was you were you're brutal I, I'm com- I thought it was completely inappropriate to release that stuff and make it feel like it was real. It was all fake. But after seeing what they rolled out CSS and C- CES and what they talked about, I'm coming along to your line of thinking of they're going to be able to produce cars much faster than I was expecting. Because of this platform, their background and expertise in building cars, those two things combined together, they should be able to design and roll out new models really really fast and everything at ces that they were saying was lining up with that so it's i'm very impressed yeah i think you're going to take our next stories which feeds into exactly what you're saying but really quickly i think the ceo uh mary barras her her job the last a year let's say has really been to convince investors you know our our stock might take a dip when we're gonna have to invest 27 billion we're gonna retool factories we might drop cars but bear with us in this transition. And we talked about the CEO of VW the other week. She's doing a fantastic job. I got I to gotta say, this is not an easy thing to do. The, the, they had a brand a logo. Uh, <laughs> um, they don't refi- get me started they redid on that logo. logo. Don't it's get me bizarre. started <laughs> Yeah, I don't want to get you started because you're the designer. And I, I actually, I, maybe, after, maybe after hours, vice versa <laughs> after hours, Al. <laughs> yeah. But they're doing this thing. They're, they are really... They're doing this. Anybody who still kind of doubts that they're they're serious about it, leave me a comment. Leave us a comment. I'm dying to know what it is that's still holding you back because at every turn, they have been pretty much like poo-pooing gas cars and talking about how EVs are the latest and greatest and you have to be building EVs at every opportunity. So bravo, GM. And let's jump into your story next, which is probably the the highlight of CES. Was, would you agree to that? Is that fair to say? For me, it was because it builds off yeah. of what we've just been talking about. They unveiled an entire new kind of division unit. I don't know what you call it. Um, it's called the uh, Bright Drop. And it's all centered around delivery vans and delivery infrastructure. It's not just the vans. It's like soup to nuts. It's everything that goes around it. So they revealed this delivery van uh, along with these like little pallets that are also motorized and battery powered. And so it's like... This is kind of taking what FedEx does on their planes, where they they load the packages onto these like little pallets that get shoved onto the plane. So it's a very efficient, quick way to move things in and out of the plane. Take that and scale it down to a van, and that's what they presented. So imagine a FedEx driver with their van, not with loose packages in the back, but a whole bunch of these pallets. They pull up to a part of a city, and they get out of the van, and they just pull one of these things off the van, 
and they just wheel it up and down the street delivering the packages. It's going to make it so much more efficient and fast for them to deliver packages. And all I kept thinking was Arrival. Like, you and I have both talked about Arrival and their micro factories and building delivery vans for UPS. So it's really cool to see, here's a company that's already sold vans, GM, has signed a deal with, with FedEx. I think they've, they're expected to deliver 500 vans for their first part of the order. And then you have Arrival delivering vans to UPS. It's like, we're gonna be seeing these things over the next one to two years starting to roll out around the country and around the world. It's gonna be really exciting. But the idea that they took not just the van and then the pallets that go in the vans, they also designed this bright drop system that allows you to do uh, management across your entire fleet and know what the battery charges are of all the cars, the vans, the pallets manage everything. It's like they are going to be able to track exactly where not just a car is, but a pallet is. So it's it's absolutely incredible that they've thought of, this is why I'm getting so excited about, about uh, GM, is like they've thought about the entire user experience around what do companies like FedEx need? Okay, let's design the whole thing. Where a company like Arrival is just tackling just the van. So it's like GM just, to me, came out swinging. So it's like, Started with the Ultium, where it's kind of like I raised an eyebrow. I was like, okay, GM, I, I like where you're going. Oh, you're going to build giga, gigafactories on your own? Okay, I, I'm starting to see where you're going. And then they announced all these new cars. I'm like, oh my God. And then they deliver this. And it's like, okay, they're, they're, there's no doubt in my mind, GM is 100% into electrification. And so for me, there's, of course, Tesla. And for me, I know there's, because Dieselgate, but VW is another company that gets me really excited about EVs. But GM just like, to me, shot up to like second place right behind Tesla for what gets me excited about electrification right now. Couldn't agree with you more. Um, by the way, one little angle I was thinking about this, with the architecture that they have in place, they're able to, to be able to power whatever they need with one type of cell that they're gonna manufacture one pouch cell. You can stick them in this configuration for this many batteries or this many miles or this many miles with a big truck, but it's, it doesn't change the, the, the manufacturing of it. Um, you, you couple that with the fact that I think GM is still going to have a tough time competing in terms of what I would call the desire coefficient. People love, like if you're in the market for a sedan, it is, it is tough to compete with a Model 3 and a Model S. Those are two of the prettiest cars on the road. And if you're looking for a... Um, a Y equivalent, maybe the, the Mach-E probably is pretty pretty. But I think what companies are going to find is it's going to be tough to compete with Tesla on the personal consumer side. What makes GM really interesting is they're going to have a really big time footprint on commercial trucks. Commercial operators don't care what your truck looks like. They're not in a beauty contest. This is about how long is your warranty? What's your service like? What's your life, you know, like full life cycle cost? And if they can deliver on that, that is how they might be able to get their foot in the door. And then suddenly if they're making tons of money and then they have further and further R&D, that could be how they fuel their lead back into top place if that's their ambition, which it should be. But the pallet is super cool. And then they have a medium range loading concept, which would, these, yeah, the, the pallets would load into. And imagine yeah. you pull up to your stop, a little door opens up, the pallet rolls down and yeah. you just walk behind it with a clipboard and it rolls its way into where you're going. Yeah. It sounds a little sci-fi fu futuristic, futuristic, but... It really lines up with what's already happening. Like Amazon warehouses are really automated. This stuff isn't really that much of a science fiction uh, thriller anymore. They're all pretty, pretty down to earth and realistic. Yeah. And 
once they deliver upon that, the big the big thing next would be EV600, which is a 250-mile range delivery van. Again, much like we talked about with Arrival, as you mentioned, um, the charging network is going to be, uh, they mentioned about 170 miles of charging speed. So not the fastest charging, but uh, 120 kilowatt, kilowatt CCS combo charger. And the cargo space for these trucks is going to be 600 cubic, cubic feet, which will put them kind of in that middle middle duty kind of class and 10,000 pound gross vehicle weight. And these, again, early 2022. We're in 2021, yes, so about mm-hmm. a year from now, these will be out on the road. And partnerships with FedEx and all this other stuff, a lot to be excited about. I will say, Matt, one thing, the partnership doesn't, um, it, it carried a lot of water with me before, but Nikola had a lot of this stuff too. Nikola had all these deals and partnerships with Ryder and stuff. And I think that just shows you how how, how good a negotiator or a business person you are. I don't think it means that much, but... Here with GM, I'm more optimistic, and I do think this is a big deal. And you mentioned their entire life cycle kind of approach. They're going to be building charging networks and stations and the entire infrastructure of managing logistics. So this is GM. <laughs> if you yeah. told me we'd be, we'd be spending 30 minutes talking about GM on our show a year ago, I wouldn't have believed you. But nope. they're doing really cool stuff. Um, what it means for their stock in the next year, I don't know. I think it'll take some time. There's some inertia there, but really amazing stuff that they're that they're up to. Yeah. It was it was this CES week has been just kind of a just a one, two, three, four punch of just E V releases and news and look at our car and look at our car. And what usually at CES is all those flying cars stuff that is meaningless. A lot of the news that came out this week actually had meat on the bones, like Hyundai's announcement this week, which was, oh and we're releasing it in the first half of this year. It was like, okay, we don't have to wait six months before we can actually see these things on the road. It's It's been a very exciting week. There was no Avatar car yeah. this year. I, I know. I'm super Someone disappointed by that. Yeah. <laughs> Mercedes, come on. <laughs> but let's just give a, let's just take a moment and kind of celebrate the human spirit, man. Like we, this entire year, if you told me the stock market would be in the toilet, we'd all be homeless and the, the world would be collapsing. I would have believed you, but here we are stock rate on all-time high companies are innovating people are figuring out new ways to do business I, I i think it's the story that people don't give enough credit it's just ingenuity and the kind of the spirit that people have had not letting things stop them like COVID. and this ces could have been the one where we had nothing cool to show and mm-hmm. why do i feel like it was the opposite it was incredibly it was compelling <laughs> and people brought their vision of, of what they want to do and a lot there was a little bit of a co- like prepar- preparedness was a little bit of it you know LG had a bunch of like air purifier systems and yeah. they had a lot of focus around cleaning the air and, and the virus and stuff. It was interesting. I, I think people who are successful see the crisis as an opportunity to, to make something new. And I'm glad to see the companies have done that and that we're all still here in 2021 and uh, the world is not on fire. Uh, agreed. <laughs> well, I was going to say, it's kind of on fire. In certain certain areas, it's a little on fire, but I I get your point and I do agree with it. Yes, I agree. So we had, we had mentioned if we had time, we could talk about one more story. I think we got time. What do you think? You think we, you want to jump in and take a look? Sure. It's not going to take too long to talk about this one, but it kind of goes back into the whole CES line of thinking. Last year, Sony caught a bunch of us off guard when they released that concept car of theirs, the Vision S. And they released it with the the explanation of they want to get into 
EV, EV cars and be a partner to other EV makers to provide the technology around it. So they actually designed and built a car to kind of as a proof of concept. And they never said that they were actually going to do it. And so it caught everybody off guard because here's this, unlike GM with the Hummer, <laughs> they drove out an actual working car. Um, and it was very impressive and it got a lot of positive press. It was one of the highlights of CES. Caught everybody off guard. Well, this year, they came out in their Sony presentation, which I was kind of, it was a lackluster presentation in my mind. But then they started talking about the Vision S again. And I was completely shocked again that it's like, wait, they're actually going to be doing this. It went from a prototype idea for the industry to, no, we're actually going to make this and it's going to come out at some point. There was no pricing released, but a whole bunch of information little bits of information were kind of dropped out. Um, it's going to be c coming with uh, all-wheel drive, 400 kilowatt motors, so it's going to have about a 536 horsepower. It doesn't have like the fastest 0 to 60 time. It's going to be 4.8 seconds, but that's still plenty fast. Um, there's no news on the actual battery size or the price or anything like that, but they came out and they talked about, they showed it being used on the test track, all the testing they've been doing on it. So it's like they are, they're not stopping. And it sounds like they're actually going to be releasing this. So it, it seems like it might be possible that in a couple of years, there might be a Sony car <laughs> available to buy that you can actually drive on the roads. I just, <laughs> I'm, I don't know why this gets me so excited. I get so excited about this. I love the car when I saw it last year. And the fact that yeah, they're still going is just super exciting. So the company that made my Walkman as a kid is going to be making yeah. my car in 2020. I just hope they can. I, I hope they can deliver it faster and more you know, better than the PlayStation Five, which is oh. still hard to come by. Yeah, graphics cards and PlayStations. Basically, everything is out of stock, and during COVID, I think is the way to look at it. But yeah, this one is a. This is cool. I I, I was talking to Matt before we started the show. I was kind of joking that. Sony thought, you know, we're going to show off our UI and our kind of screens and sensors, our tech safety. We're going to show off this package of peripherals that EV makers can license from us to use in their car. But what I think they, they didn't expect is every EV maker looks at that as the fun part. So, uh, Matt, you mentioned I got a chance to, uh, to, to meet with Lucid and their, their chief designer, and he went through the design of the interior. That was fun. I bet you that was a fun exercise. So I think people have opted to build their own uh, rather than go with Sony here, especially because, I mean, Sony's not like proven in the industry in terms of like building UI for cars or building sensor suites and stuff. So I think they kind of realized, OK, well, we didn't have the overwhelming de uh, demand that we thought we'd have. Screw it. Let's just build the car ourselves as if nothing else as a platform to show off our technology for the future. But what a cool world where EVs remove that kind of unachievable obstacle of building an internal combustion engine. And now suddenly look at all the kind of companies that are that are flocking to to build cars. For me, this was, this was the cherry on top to CES. It was like, oh, and Sony's actually making that really cool car I want to get. <laughs> it's really pretty, too. Kind of kind of lucid air looking, very like nice proportions. And I hope they I hope they uh, make it quickly. Yeah, I don't know what they've been doing or like if they've been working at it all this time, but uh, we'll see. Yeah. So I think that wraps it up for today. Um, thanks so much for watching and for listening if you're listening to the podcast. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel. We are live every Thursday night at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. And if you're here live, you can take part in the Q&A afterwards. 
Or if you prefer to listen on the go, subscribe to the podcast, which you can find at viceversa.show. And it'd be really helpful if you could also review the podcast on wherever you got it from, like Apple Music or Google Music. Um, It really does help. Thanks again to everyone, and we'll see you in the next one.